Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Amen. Let's turn real quick to 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 6. Now, I want you to, before we read, I want, uh, I'm going to read in the NLT. Um, but I'm, I'm continuing and uh, ending my portion of the series that I'm calling Unstoppable Fourth. This is week five. Uh, but it's been a powerful series. I started the new year uh, with a series on the importance of prayer and the importance of engaging in prayer. And it's not about a movement. It's not about uh, uh, what's, it's about the kingdom of God. And we've got to strip what we think about prayer in order to be effective. Can I hear an Amen. And so the most unstoppable force in the universe is the weapon of prayer. And you saw that these, these wonderful people of God are getting testimonies. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word. A lot of people say, well, we need to pray. But if, unless we bring teaching and build our faith in prayer, I will tell you this. Our prayer life will not, not grow. But today, my goal, we've talked about binding and loosing. We talked about effective prayer, what effective prayer is relational-wise. We talked uh, uh, about uh, so many other dynamics. Today, I'm going to uh, pastor you today. Today, I'm going to be more of a pastor and a teacher when it comes to practicality on building and sustaining. Hear me now. Sustaining longevity in your personal prayer life. If you were, uh, Thank you for that. Amen. If you were to ask most believers what their biggest weakness of discipline is, is their personal prayer life. It's very sporadic. And not only is it sporadic, and, and again, please hear me because some people take what I'm about to say and make it legalism. I'm, I'm not, and this is not legalism at all. But there is something to say about sustaining for more than five minutes in prayer. There's something to say that we need as the body of Christ disciplines and practicalities to be able to remain in prayer. One of the greatest ways to strengthen your prayer life is to really uh, know what you're doing when it comes to your private prayer time. Instead of like, oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I got to go to work. Bless me this. Bless me that. I'm going to give you some some disciplines today, but I'm going to do something really unique that uh, I've only done one time when I was at at OHOP, but I'm going to share my personal uh, private uh, prayer list guide, in a sense, prophetically and symbolically, that, watch this, this is key to everything that I'm about to say, keeps your mind focused and undistracted while you're in prayer. Come on, let's be honest. Some of, sometimes when we pray, our mind goes everywhere, and I have a tool that I use. People use uh, other things, but I have a tool that I have memorized and that I, have, that I use, and I always allow Holy Spirit interruptions, but I keep that as a tool, and so when I pray, I'm very, watch this, focused. But without focus, you're, you're not going to be effective in prayer. So I say this because I'm going to help you now obtain, watch this, and strengthen your private prayer life. Today, I'm going to pastor you, and again, I declare, I say, I can say you use this model, but I'm going to say you don't have to use this model, but this is what keeps me on track, and sometimes, uh, you know how Jesus said, could you not tarry with me for an hour? Sometimes when I do this, I'm on like uh, uh, point number three in this list that I'm going to show you, and I go off in another adventure with the Lord. It's beautiful, and then when I have nothing to say because my mind drifts, I go back to this model, and it keeps me focused. Can I hear an amen? So, uh, I want to start off by just First uh, Peter, a couple, couple things before I got into this. Chapter 4, verse 6, uh, in the NLT, um, if you could put it up there, it says this. Now, it, it, this is going to seem like a doom and gloom, whatever, but just listen to, to, to what it says. Now, this, this is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Now, watch. Now, I want you to get this, okay? This is, prof- this is symbolic and prophetic and revelatory all by itself. The end of the world is coming soon. How many times have you heard that on a Sunday morning? <laughs> therefore, be, watch, therefore be earnest and highlight that word, disciplined in your prayers. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, do you see how he ties the end time urgency with the need of you being disciplined in prayer? Do you see that? He said, the end is coming soon. Therefore, he didn't say, hey, freak out and panic. And, and he said, you got to be disciplined in your prayer. Now, in the King James Version, it says something different. But the NLT, I love the word discipline because we all love God in this room. But not all of us are disciplined when it comes to our practices in prayer. And that's okay. But we have to get to the place where we're saying, it's not okay for me not to be disciplined. I need some discipline in my life. 
You know, some of you are good at, at discipline and not eating. That, I fail at that. I try to fast and I do fast, but then I'm like, Lord, I'll break it tomorrow, please. Some of you are really have good disciplines in fasting. Some of you have good discipline in going to the gym. Glory to God. Some of you have good discipline in prayer. But let me tell you something. A man's prayer life or a woman's prayer life will dictate their effectiveness. Last week I, I quoted, remember, revivalist Smith Wigglesworth, and I quoted what he said. He goes, I don't often uh, spend more than 30 minutes in prayer, but he goes, I don't spend more than 30 minutes without praying. So today I want to show you uh, some things. So there's three ways to strengthen our prayer life. So uh, real quickly before I dive into uh, this revelatory thing that I'm going to show you, there's about six or seven major things that we highlight. And these six and seven major things that I'm going to highlight cover uh, all aspects of, of prayer or intercession or worship. So uh, in my opinion, uh, the effective opinion, uh, the three main things to strengthen your personal prayer life is one, having a schedule. So uh, again, today is more going to be a teaching and it's going to be more pastoring you. Write this down. Having a schedule, that's number one and not in any order. When you have a schedule to pray and you actually meet that schedule as if you're meeting with the king, you will not uh, cancel that appointment. If you treat some of your appointments like you do your, your work appointments with God, we'll be some powerful Christians. So schedule a time for prayer, whatever that time is, preferably in the morning, but schedule a time and don't deviate from that, all right? Number two, this is going to be good for you. Now, this is just a little intro uh, salad before the main dinner, okay, before lunch here, whatever. Number two is make sure you have, now this is going to sound old-fashioned, but some of the things that are old-fashioned are very powerful. Have and develop a prayer list. That's right. I said prayer list in this millennial age. See, no, I mean, not a lot of millennials like, what is that? What's a prayer list? Establish a prayer list, whether on your phone, whether I have a prayer list on my phone, and I have topics of what I want to pray about, and it keeps me focused. Or I have individual names that I want to talk about, or I mean pray about, uh, to the Lord. All right? So have a prayer list, and I'm going to get more into that, all right? And number three, have the right view of God. These are the three essentials. Number one, number one. Make sure in your private prayer time you develop a schedule. Say schedule. Because if you don't, you will leave everybody else to dictate your schedule. I, I know that. Because, because you love people so much, if you don't develop a schedule, you'll say, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it. And then you get too tired and you won't get to it. Or someone is pulling on you and making a demand, I got to meet you. And you say, okay, I'm sorry, Jesus, I got to meet this person. I got a business deal. No, schedule time with prayer and do not deviate from that. Number two, create a prayer list. And number three, you have to have the right view of God. Why are those three, three things important? Because the, the scheduling gives you the when you're going to pray, and you won't deviate that. Now watch this. The prayer list gives you the what to pray. You're going to be very focused. And I'll watch this. Understanding the nature of God gives you the desire to pray. Did you hear what I said? Because when you know that he enjoys you, you will want to pray more. When you know that your week coming to him is enjoyable to him, then that knowledge of you, uh, of God and his nature, will bring a desire for you to pray. Many people don't pray because they think either it's boring or they really don't know the right view of God when you come into a place of prayer. You are meeting with an eternal, uncreated God. Come on, say Amen. So you need to have these things. There are statistics that say people will pray 10 times more. This is actually statistic. 10 times more powerful when they have a schedule and when they have a prayer list. Now, make it like you want to make it. Whether it's posting it up on your room, whether it's uh, in your phone. But make sure you create a prayer list. If you don't have one, I encourage you to create a prayer list. That will keep you on track. And that will keep you focused in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? So make that as a sacred time. Um, and during those, and these are just review before I give you these things. When developing a prayer list, it's helpful to have, uh, when it comes to prayer lists, and this is what I'm going to talk about today, three uh, main essentials. Again, this is not legalistic, but I'm trying to help you to have, to try to incorporate three major things when it comes to your prayer list. Say three things. All right? We should... If we want our prayers to be effective and, and wholesome, we should include the dynamic, number one, of intimacy with God. In other words, in your time of prayer, don't just rush in uh, asking for stuff. Include a moment of worship with the Lord. 
where you worship God, where you put a CD on, whether you put, you put a, a, your iTunes on. But one of the dynamics of having a prayer list, the number one thing on your prayer list should be, I must make sure that I spend time with God in worship, thanking Him for who He is, not just what He could give me. So include intimacy there. Include worshiping. Some of you guys, well, that's just weird. It doesn't matter how you sound. To the Lord, you sound beautiful. That's why he's called a joyful noise. (laughs) To you, it may be noise, but to the Lord, it's beautiful. And you know what? I I say this, and I'm going to be transparent. I love worshiping the Lord. And I'm not on the worship team. I'm not the best singer. But let me tell you, you know why I worship the Lord? It's because I love what it does to my heart, and I love what it does to his heart. Some of you say, well, I can't do that. You know, I'm more of a, of, a, of a scholar and I'm more of a, no, no, no. Get into a place, however intimacy looks. Close your eyes, shut the door, shut distraction, and include in your prayer list. Please hear me now. You're going to be so, your heart's going to change. I tell you, when you worship the Lord, I don't care if it's a 1972 uh, Keith Green, 1980, you know, uh, song. Whatever gets you your heart moving, play that. Even if it's on repeat. Even if it's, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Put that on whatever touches your heart and make sure that part of your prayer list includes intimacy. Can I hear an amen? The second thing it should include is petition. Now, you can write this down. I'm going fast because I really want to harp on the the, the main items uh, prophetically that I use in my mind to start prayer. And it, it lets me last for about an hour or so. All right, so the second is petition. Now, what is petition? This is key. Remember, this is all to have in your prayer, time for, for, for worship. Now, now, petition is asking the Lord's blessings for you personally. It's, I have news for you. Look at me. It's okay. It's okay to ask God for, for his blessings, his provision for you, for your ministry, for your business, for your family, for, but, but, but mostly for you. The petition, the second part of, the, of your prayer list should include you. See, I think sometimes we get overly spiritual, and you don't want to talk, ask God to, to meet your needs. No. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Hey, let's get rid of this false humility and say it's okay to cry out to God for you. So the second thing you need to have is it's okay in the time of worship that you have what the Bible calls petitions. Petitions is actually what you need for your life, for your business, for your personal uh, life and your personal uh, realm. Can I hear an amen? The third aspect that you need, now this is going to cover everything if you realize it. The third aspect of your prayer list should include intercession. And intercession is praying for other people. Come on, somebody. Do you hear what I just said? Intercession is now praying for other people, other family members to get encountered by God. Your business, your boss, your city, your school, your nation. Come on. So this is what, it, this is what a healthy prayer list should include. A time of intimacy and worship. A time of personal petition where you say, God, here are my needs. And I'm coming to you because I know that you hear me. Right? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their afflictions. And number three... Listen, I know this sounds, to some of you, this is going to sound really boring, but you watch what happens when you start interceding for other people. God moves. As a matter of fact, you may not feel anything because we're in a selfish world, but when you pray for others, the Bible says, not only will he answer prayer, but you will get watered because the Bible says those who water will get watered themselves. So why do you think this beautiful family is here? Because people that didn't even know them began to cry out to God because we know Victor and Ani and they're like family because when they're hurting, we're hurting. When they're rejoicing, we're rejoicing. So we're like, let's lock arms, let's pray for your family, and they're here. We intercede uh, for, for, uh, for Mama Lisa and her check and, and that they've been displaced. And we said, don't worry, it's going to come. And as we prayed for those people, God sent the package from heaven and delivered them. How about your wayward son? How about your wayward daughter? Because intercession will get to them. And so when you include those three things, now you will go in an adventure with the Lord. And those three pillars are what I'm going to really focus on today. But I'm going to give you more practicalities of that. Now remember, the right view of God will give you the desire or the want to pray. So why do I say that? Because I, I'm fascinated with um, a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament. And the tabernacle of Moses. How many remember the tabernacle of Moses? All right, some of you do, some of you don't. The Lord instructed Moses 
in his day to, to build a temple, a tabernacle by which God will come in his glory, listen, in the Old Testament to, to, to dwell. But the, each, each uh, in the tabernacle, there were items and elements that were very purposeful, that are very prophetically symbolic of the New Testament today when you mirror it with revelation and prophetic symbolism. Do you realize that? So what I like to do to, um, to sustain my prayer life in my head, I go through each item of the tabernacle. And each item of the tabernacle is a prayer point for me. And before I know it, I'm, I'm in with the Lord sometimes for hours. Now, do I deviate when I allow the Holy Spirit to, to come? Yes. I allow the winds of Holy Spirit to come. But this is my model that I've been using for years, and this is what I do. Again, many people don't use a prayer list because they deem it to be legalistic. Yet those people that don't have a prayer list suffer with pain and say, I can't strengthen my prayer life. All right? So put the first slide up there, uh, Zach. The first slide, I want you to see this, okay? Again, this is more of a teaching today. The tabernacle of Moses provides a prophetic insight in sustaining a vibrant prayer life. How many want a vibrant prayer life? Now, again, what I'm giving you today is just the tool that I use, but I believe it's so practical, so prophetic in my mind. When I go to, when I use this, these, um, these articles of the tabernacle, I, I literally have, watch this, this is key, language for my prayers. Say language. See, because instead of going, I don't know what's going on, Lord, pray, oh my God, oh my God, I still have five more hours. No, now I have language in my mind to connect with God. All right? So I want you to see this. Uh, the, the first one in the tabernacle, when you first get on there, right, and there's, there's the outer court, there's the inner court, and then there's a what? Holy of holies. Come on, scholars, speak to me. If you don't know this, you need to study the word. Amen? All right, but because of lack of time, I, I, there's so many chapters in Leviticus and Exodus that talk about each element. That I don't have time to go there. But what happened? There was about six or so elements that that were done in order by the priests. The priests would have to go in order in order to go to the holy of holies. The high priest actually would go into the holy of holies once a year uh, to sprinkle the blood for atonement or forgiveness of the sins of all of the nation. But I want you to hear this. Because this is important. Prophetically, what the priest would do, he would go step by step to the first item, then the second item, then the third. So what I do in my prayer time, I go in the spirit realm, in the prophetic, by each item. And that strengthens my prayer uh, time. Can I hear an amen? So the first one, put it up there. The first uh, one was the brazen altar. Now the brazen altar was uh, something that represents the cross. I want you to show that picture up there. Now, this is the, what the brazen altar looked like, uh, sort of speak, in the, in the Old Testament. So uh, in the outer court, now again, there's outer court, there's inner court. Now, uh, a lot of other words for inner court is the holy place. And then there's the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. But So the brazen altar, watch this. What was that? What, the, what happened in the brazen altar is the priest would come in, and that was the place of sacrifice. Say sacrifice. They would get the animal or a goat and they would lay the animal and they would sacrifice it in the brazen altar. And the, here's what would happen now. Because, again, all that you're going to see like, oh. No, but all this is prophetic and symbolic of how I translate this and use this for my modern-day prayer life. What they would do is then with the fire, they would burn, watch this now, the flesh of the animal. So this is what I do. I wake up in the morning, and in my mind, I think about the brazen altar. It gives me direction. So in the brazen altar, to me, that's a cross. So guess what I do? The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, and I go through in my mind the brazen altar, I say, God, thank you for the cross. And I begin to just ask the Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the place of sacrifice. I thank you for the shed blood. I thank you, Lord, that you, the Father, and I talk to the Father, thank you, Father, for sending your Son and crushing him so that I could have life. And I begin to start my day thanking him for the cross. And I begin to apply all the benefits of the cross. I thank you, Lord God, for the benefit of the cross of healing. I thank you for the benefit of the cross of forgiveness. I thank it's all of the, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's literally what you're doing. 
You're entering his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. So I start off my prayer time thinking of the brazen altar as the place of sacrifice. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. I begin to thank Jesus for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for paying such a price for me. And so once I do that, then I turn it to myself, and then I think about the animal that his flesh was burned. Everybody say flesh. So you know what I do? I say, God, I'm asking you to crucify my flesh today. See, see how this is going? Because I know the brazen altar represents the cross and it also represents burning of the flesh. Hello. I ask God to begin to crucify my fleshly desires. And I know by the look of you guys, you guys have no problem with your flesh. <laughs> but all of the rest of us, we do. <laughs> and so we say, God, I ask that you crucify my flesh. Now, where do I get that? Now, remember... All this is a template for me to sustain in prayer. Do you realize that, right? So in my head, and sometimes I take this out, but it's, it's in my head. I have all these elements in my head because I've been doing it for a long time. So look at Galatians chapter uh, 2. This is, and I use this scripture sometimes when I'm asking God to crucify my flesh. Again, please don't take this as legalism because there's sometimes when I'm doing this first item and this first uh, item of the tabernacle and the Holy Spirit just get, takes me into a whole other direction. And that's beautiful. Follow that. But when you want to come back and you don't know where to go, come back to where you left off in the tabernacle. You hear that? Okay, so watch what the Lord says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I begin to read my, it's so beautiful. You open your word and you say, Lord, your word says I have been crucified with Christ. And I, and I pray that prayer. Lord, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I start thanking Jesus for the cross. And you know what? My heart begins to burn. Because I start thanking him for the cross. And I thank him every day as much as I can for the cross. I thank him for the benefits of the cross. That I'm no longer bound by the curse of the law. And I thank God. Then I say before, because listen, that's why it's important to pray in the morning. Because you need to crucify your flesh in the morning. <laughs> say Amen. Yes, at night you need to crucify your flesh, your, your flesh too. But you need God to help you in your prayers because you're going to run into a cranky boss or a cranky employee or a cranky person. And if your flesh is not crucified, your flesh will be, be very alive at that moment to that person. Rawr! They're like, I thought you were a Christian. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> That's what your flesh is saying. Not you. Your flesh is saying, not now. Always remember this. What you feed, <laughs> listen to me. Say this after me. What you feed, let me say it again. What I feed will grow. What I starve will decrease. What I feed will grow. What I starve will decrease. What I feed will grow. What I starve will decrease. Now, ask yourself, what are you feeding that is growing, either good or bad? And what are you starving that needs to be decreased? You know how you starve your flesh? By crucifying your flesh. By being aware of the power of your flesh so that, watch this, you could be swift to hear and slow to speak when somebody is agitating your flesh. But it, listen, you know what? It's biblical. Paul says, I buffet my flesh daily lest I be disqualified. In other words, 2018 version, if I don't buffet my flesh, I'm going to go gangster on this dude right now. I'll become disqualified. I want to I punch the living day. You, th we, you think that the apostles didn't have that problem? They had to crucify their flesh. If the apostles had to crucify their flesh, how much more us? So I become, so right there, that's a, that's a good five, ten minutes that I'm thanking him for the cross. And then I say, Lord, in the brazen altar, you, 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 burn, you burn, they burned the flesh of the animal, so I'm asking you to crucify my flesh. It's beautiful. You, you, you crucify your flesh. I'm just giving you tools to how to have language. All right? So I do that, and it's, and it's beautiful, beautiful before the Lord. And so the next item that the Lord, the, the, the priest would do when they would come, they would, they would go to the laver. Now, I want you to put the, with the laver. The laver represents, watch this. Now, remember, this is the next item that the priest would go to. Are you getting something? Am I helping you? The next item the priest will go to is the brazen altar, and then it will be the laver. Now, the laver represents purification, righteousness, watch this, and character. 
and I pray all these things for me. You should do the same for yourself. Now, you say, why? Put that picture up on there. So this is what the labor looked like. The priests would come in. Now, these were made of, of established, re refurbished like mirrors, right? And they would put clean, pure water in there. And before the priest would go to the next item, he had to purify his hands, wash his hands clean. Now, there's two dynamics that I get from the labor. Number one. Because the priest had to wash his hands, I then go and I, 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 I shift gears in my prayer. And now, not only do I thank God for the cross, now in the labor, I repent for my sins. Come on, somebody. I purify myself by saying, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me. Wash me. Woo! Wash me clean with, uh, from, from my argument ways or my, 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 the, the, how I viewed, uh, how I talked to this person or how I spoke to my wife. Whatever the Lord is highlighting. Again, please do not take repentance as condemnation. If you do, you will never walk in repentance. Condemnation is guilt from the devil. Repentance sets you free. So you say, Lord, I thank you that you are not a God that, 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 uh, that condemns me, but you love me. And I, and I start praying, as far as the east is from the west, I thank you that you have, have removed my transgression for me. And that you don't deal with me according to my sins. But Father, I, I ask you to forgive me for these thoughts. I'm asking you to forgive me for my lack, uh, for my laziness. Whatever it is, I, I, I ask you to forgive me for my temper time from that day. But it's healthy that, watch this, hear me now, you have a self-examination every day. Please, 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 rid yourself from this millennial age that self-examination is condemnation. No, it's not. Because, because David continually said, Lord, search me to see if there's any wickedness in me. David, David said, Lord, uh, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In other words, not only what everybody could hear I wanted to be pleasing, but what nobody could hear I wanted to be pleasing. When no one's looking, what's, what's, what's pumping in my heart, the real motive of my heart of to be in ministry or to be next to that friend, I want that to be pure. When nobody sees because I want to please you. That's, David knew that trick because when he, when he sinned against the Lord, he hurt the heart of God. When Saul sinned against the Lord, he didn't care. He just wanted a position. Saul said, make me look good in front of the people, Samuel. And you know what David said? Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. You see the difference? I grieved you, Lord. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Saul's like, I don't care if I grieve your Holy Spirit. Just don't take my kingdom away from me. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people are here in the body of Christ today. They don't want to repent because they don't want to get removed from a position in the church. Well, but, you know, if, if, I, if I let them know, then I'm, I'm no longer going to be this over this area and this area. If you are valuing a position in your church or your job more than hurting the heart of God, you shouldn't be in that position. Come on. So I come. Now watch. Why is it, why is it symbolic of, of purification? And, why? Because so I, so now, now I'm already 20 minutes in. 15, 20, again, I'm not timing myself, but I'm saying I'm already now engaging in the second item. I am already have language, and I start asking God to, to examine me, right? Now watch. Then I start praying after that for godly character, for people to see Jesus in me. You say, where do you get that from the labor? Because when you look at the labor, you see your own reflection. When the water's not, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When the water's not moving, when the priest would go down and before he would wash his hands, he would see his own face. And I say, Lord, let people see the image of Jesus in me. And you know what, I, you know what that is? I start praying character prayers like the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at what it says. Galatians chapter 5 and look what it says in verse 16. I start praying character. How many know character is greater than the gift that you just operate in? You have to have character. So when I, when I get to the labor, I not only examine myself, I say, Lord, I want to walk in these realities. So I open my Bible or my app and I literally read the scriptures back to God. Can I hear an amen? I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right? Look, keep, keep going, uh, and we're going to go through 17, and then we're going to jump to verse 22. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Someone say amen. How many can relate to that? 
that you want to do right, but the, the flesh is pulling you in another direction. But watch this. And we've relegated this next verse to a little children's story, but this is all about character. I, I, let me just say this. When's the last time you prayed this? Go to verse 22. Every day, this is what I pray. But the fruit of the Spirit, whew, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Come on. Keep going to the next, I know about Harvard, go, go to the next, self-control. Against there is no law. Let me tell you, that last fruit of the Spirit, many Christians need to up that ante. <laughs> Lord, give me self-control. What are you praying? When you pray the fruits of the Spirit, you're saying, I want Christ-likeness in me. I want people to see Jesus when they encounter me, not me. So when you pray, now you're saying, Lord, I want to be loved. I want to walk in faithfulness. I want, when someone cuts me off on I-4, I want self-control. When I'm trying to fast and cheesecake is offered to my mouth, I say, no, Lord. Self-control. When you want to say a piece of your mind to someone who disrespected you and you say, no, a soft answer turns away wrath. Self-control, self-control. So in the labor, I pray for, I pray for self-examination. I pray for uh, forgiveness, and then I pray for character. Do you see? You're ready in your mind. Cross, sanctification, right? Now here's the third thing. Oh, I love this. Now, now, now. Once you're in here, you're like, let's go, because you have now focus. Am I helping you? Now the third, the third uh, item that was in there was, after the labor, was the golden lampstand. Some call it the candlestick, but it's the golden lampstand. And that represents the, oh, I love this. See, you need to spend time acknowledging the person of the Holy Spirit during your prayer times. Invite the person. It, it, it's, it, it's, it, the lampstand was seven burning, can, burning uh, candles, all right? And they would burn, all right? And that represents the person and the attributes of the Holy Spirit. There were seven, there were seven total candles in the lampstand. Once you enter into the holy place or the, or the inner court, there was this lampstand. Put that, put that what it looked like here. So they know it was, they, some call it candlestick in some translation, but it's a golden lampstand. Now, why is that important to understand? I believe in our prayer times, in not just talking about the cross, not just self-examination, not just character. We need to, listen, this is a lost art in many Christians. We need to invite again the person of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Because he is not an it, it's not a thing, he's a person. And the Bible says the, the person of the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things of Jesus and he convicts us of our sin. We can't do life without the, the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit. So why, do I, why is the candlestick represents the Holy Spirit? Look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. This is why there's gonna, I'm going to give you why I spend a lot of time on this one right here. I spend a lot of time. Now remember, the labor I spent on the fruits of the Spirit. But on the candlestick, now I pray for the gifts of the Spirit in me. Listen, it's okay to have the fruits and the gifts too. Don't just say, well, I'll just pray for the fruits, but I don't want the gifts. Or I just want the gifts, but I don't want the fruit. No, God wants you to have it all. So the Bible actually says earnestly yearn, uh, long for spiritual gifts. But he doesn't want you to long for spiritual gifts without being character in Christ. Amen? Now look, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. That's one. The, the closeness of the, of the spirit coming upon you for ministry, for purposes of servanthood. Number two, the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding, number three. Spirit of uh, counsel and might, five. The spirit of knowledge, six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. So there's seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Then the spirit of wisdom. Some of you, by the Holy Spirit, God has crowned you with great wisdom. So I pray these things. I really do. I said, God, I need, I'm asking you that you would give me a spirit of wisdom today. How many, how many know that that will solve a lot of problems in your job? You know, sometimes when you pray for the spirit of wisdom consistently, you don't have to go back three weeks and ask for wisdom. Sometimes the Lord will give it to you right then and there. For the problem. Always remember this. This is going to be powerful. Sometimes, already buckle your seatbelts. Sometimes you don't have a financial problem. You have a wisdom problem. Sometimes the Lord will direct you through wisdom, invest here. Or open here. 
or withhold here. And the Lord, through wisdom, will cause you to have the ability to gain wealth. Notice in Deuteronomy, he didn't say, I'm the God who gives you wealth. He goes, I give you the ability to gain wealth. That got three amens, but that's okay. Wisdom, watch this. Lord, give me understanding. I start praying the, the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Give me the spirit of counsel. Oh, how we need that in the church today. Spirit of counsel to counsel tough issues that your friends are giving you or your family is giving you. Or you're coming to a roadblock in your family and you need the spirit of counsel over your life. Can I hear an amen? The spirit of, of might. See, we, we've labeled the, we've only, the charismatic church only gets that one right. The spirit of God is on me. And we only say might, like power and miracles. But it's included in that, but it's not only that. So I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon me with might. I ask for the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then what I do, I, I, after I, I, again, the candlesticks, they're burning. They're representative of the Holy Spirit, the light in you. After I pray that, I pray the gifts of the Spirit. Look at the gifts of the Spirit real quick. Put that up there, Zach. Again, when I'm showing you now, I'm rushing because of time. But I literally have my Bible or I have my, my, my tablet, and I go to these scriptures. Some of them I know them by heart. And I pray. Now, again, I'm not dogmatic or legalistic, but I have these as a template to increase focus and longevity in my prayer time. All right? There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. Remember, this is during my prayer time. And there are diversities of activities, but there is the same God who works all in all. Then I pray this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Watch this. Can I just pause and say this? The church needs to activate in the gifts of the Spirit to be a blessing to other people. Because look at what it says. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The other, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Do you see that? Through another, faith. Faith by the same spirit. To another, gift of healings by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. See, that's why we need each other. Because some people will, will have a, a heightened level of these things that can help the body of Christ. And will help the people of God. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. To another, the working of miracles. Sorry, keep, uh, go to verse 11. But one of the same spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So guess what? When I start praying this, I start praying for the nine gifts of the spirit to flow in me, right? And to be strong in me. And I pray that the Lord will continue to release that in me. How many say Amen. And so we pray for those things. We pray for those things. I, you know what? I'm, I need the worship team up here. I know that's kind of soon, but uh, I'm really not going to be that long today. So if we could have the, uh, Pedro and the entire worship team come up here uh, in the background. So well, here's what we do. So I, I go to, this, the, to the lampstand, and I, I pray for the gifts of the Spirit. I pray for the, the, the seven uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And then, now watch, buckle your seatbelts because I'm going to offend some people who, who may not understand this. But during this time, I try to find, again, it doesn't, doesn't have to be right at this time, but I make sure I include this. With the Holy Spirit, I start praying in the Spirit and include praying in the Spirit. What does that mean? Being Asking God to fill me and praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. Again, to some of you, you think that's really radical, but the Lord says when you pray in the Spirit, you're not praying to yourself. You're praying mysteries to God. I don't know about you, but if I was your enemy and if, if you were having a strategy meeting and I was there listening, I could be able to plan against you. But if you're talking Chinese, there's no way I could know. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking a secret code stealth language to the Lord that God goes, I got you. Me and you, we got each other. The enemy's like, what's happening? What are they planning? It is praying in the spirit is important because you're not, you may not be praying for yourself. You may be praying for someone else that you have no clue. You may be stirring something else in the Lord that you pray. Can I just pause and say this? How many of you, please, please be honest with yourself, have left this part out in your prayer time? That you actually take time to pray in the spirit without understanding what's happening. You just pay, maybe pace back and forth or you're contemplating. How, how many of you do that? Come on. How many of you do that? How many have not been able to do that for some reason or the other? Okay, I'm not trying to, to, to diss you. I'm saying desire to include praying in the Spirit in your prayer time. Because what's happening is you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. 
You're strengthened. It's quiet up in here in RCC. You pray in the Spirit. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes maybe it's quiet because sometimes you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. We need to dive into the deep things of the Lord. I think the time for milk is good, but that, sometimes we need to get that meat because God wants maturity in his, in his bride. Can I hear an amen? And part of maturing, please hear me with love as a pastor. Part of maturing is not only growing in the knowledge of the word. Part of maturing is not only growing in your relationships, how you deal with people, and you're much tender now than when you, you were three years ago. Praise God for that. That's growth. But you also need to grow in your prayer life. You, I said, see, that doesn't get a lot of amen, so I'm going to say it again. You also need to grow in your prayer life. But it, it's not, I'm be loving and saying this, it's not going to come automatically. This type of discipline happens very intentionally. And many times, at least in my life, many times it comes without a glorious feeling attached to it. But I love at the end result how, I, how my heart feels. Every time I leave corporate prayer Tuesday night, I feel the, 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 the loving piercing of the Lord in my heart and my soul. Not only because I know prayers are answered, because I've engaged with God. You hear what I'm saying? I'm engaged with God and I know that he's answering our prayers. So, so watch. So that's the, the lampstand, all right? And so after I go to the lampstand in my head, watch this. I, the, the next item, this is what I pray, I love this, is the showbread. Someone say bread. That represents the word of God. That represents Jesus, the person, Jesus. He's the bread of life. So when I go now to the right, by the way, Jesus said I'm at the right hand of the Father and he's the bread of life. You know it was at the right side of the show, uh, I mean of the candlestick, the showbread. So even the tabernacle is like the picture of a cross. If you really look at it, it's straight and then it's horizontal and then at the end is the Holy of Holies. So let, 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 watch this. So when I get to the showbread, I start, look at that's what it is. Now here's what happened in the, in the Old Testament. Every day, say every day, the priest would put hot bread, fresh bread. Don't make me preach right now. Fresh bread, fresh bread. Not old, stale bread. Not old experiences. Not old testimonies. Not old word. Not old revelation. They ain't getting it, Donnie. They said, he said fresh bread. Fresh manna every day. Even though it was hot yesterday, it's hot today. You and I must contend for a fresh word every day. Don't park on the word that was great last week at service. Dig into the word and get fresh hot bread that is available. For the, the Bible says, give me this day my daily bread. My, my daily bread. So when I go to the showbread, I begin to pray, Lord, give me a revelation of your word. Lord, let me burn with your word. Lord, your word says, Lord, when you walk to the road of Emmaus, your word says that their hearts burn when you spoke with them. Let my heart burn when you speak to me. And I begin to pray for the word. And then you know what I do? Not only do I pray for more revelation of the words, guys, some of you, I'm just going to be loving and tell you this. Many people love the Lord, but many are shallow in the word. Let that convict you. I'm not trying to condemn you, but I'm, I'm telling you what I feel from the Lord and what I experience. You say, Pastor George, how do you know that? Number one, I know that in my heart. But number two, by the response of so many Christians, how they react when they don't know the word. That's why the Bible says, my people perish or are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What knowledge is he talking about? Science, mathematics, economics? No. He says, my people are, are destroyed for the lack of knowledge in the word. As a matter of fact, Matthew 24, the famous last day scripture says, even the own elect will be deceived. How can the elect be deceived if you don't know, if you know the word? Watch this now. This is powerful. So fresh bread. Say fresh. Look at what John 6 says. Oh, this is good. Are you getting something this morning? Look at John 6, verse 32 and 35. We're going to look at the NLT. John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. What? Wait, I thought the Old Testament said 
It was, the bread was there every, every morning. Yeah, the priest, he said, but who gave you that bread? Let me tell you, Moses didn't tell you the bread, didn't give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Come on, somebody. He said, I offer you the true, watch this, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread. Watch this, watch this. Every day. Now, I just want one time buffet, knock me out in the Holy Ghost, and I'm done and living, living the way that I want to live. He goes, I want this every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. In other words, you can have me every day because I'm the one. I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. So I begin to pray now for the person of Jesus to be real in my life. Lord, I want you, the person of Jesus, to become real. I want you to be magnified in my life. I want to talk directly to you. I want to look in your eyes. I want to see the fiery eyes of love. I want to see you like you see me. I want to know you. And I ask the Holy Spirit. I do. I said, Holy Spirit, show me how to make Jesus real in my eyes. Glory to God. I'm getting excited more than you're getting excited. Hallelujah. He said, I'm the bread of life. So I pray. I pray for the showbread. When it comes to the showbread, I pray for a fresh revelation of the word of God. I, a, a fresh revelation of, of Jesus. Now watch this. That's the fourth item. Then I come. Watch this. this is, watch this, guys. This is gonna, the, the next one, the fifth element in my mind. Now, by the way, once I'm at this level, ain't no stopping me. I'm like a choo-choo train. Choo-choo. Watch this. So I come in there, and the next item is the altar of incense. Say incense. Say incense. That represents intercession for others. Hear me now. Up until this point, leave that up there. Up until this point, those four things that I did was, was benefiting yourself. Keep that image up there, the altar of incense. The altar of incense burned 24 hours a day it did not stop <laughs> that was the only thing in the tabernacle that was continuous all the time every minute every hour every second there was incense burning now what does incense mean look I'll tell you look at what the Bible says incense means and I want you to turn to Psalm 141 everyone pay attention here listen to this this is powerful Psalm 141. Look at what it says in verse 2. Let my, everybody say prayer. Come on, say prayer. Be set before you like what? Like what? Come on, say it loud. Like what? Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So incense in the Bible was symbolic of prayer being erected all the time. So guess what? When I get to the altar of incense... You know what I begin to do? After I've gone through the brazen altar, after I've gone the cross, after I've gone through the labor in my mind, the purification, the sanctification, asking God to forgive me, right? Asking God for more of, of character. After I go through the candlestick and the Holy Spirit, the personal Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, after I go through the Word of God, the showbread, and having, asking more for the Word, then I begin to pray for other people. Do you see how that, this model is sustaining my prayer life? Do you see this? Now I begin to pray for my mom, and I begin to pray for my uh, uncle, I and mean, I pray for my father and my brother. I, be pray, I begin to pray for RCC leaders. I begin to pray for department heads. I begin to pray against strife, against people. I begin to pray for miracles to happen in people's lives. Now, do I hit the same thing all the time? No, but I want to include a time in my prayer life that is praying for other people, other needs. We have needs in this church. We're asking for finance. We're asking for the city to encounter Jesus. Asking for more connect groups. Asking for more uh, volunteers to sustain the work of the Lord. Amen. And man, it is glorious. When you do this in the company of people, oh, that is awesome. When you have 20, 30 people crying out for something and they're all in agreement, all heaven is shaking. Come on, say amen. Now this is what I do next. After I do that, after I pray for others, then I go to the last item in the tabernacle in my head. I go to the Ark of the Covenant, which is 
uh, the mercy seat. It represents the power of the blood of Jesus and his mercy. Why? Because in the, it, once a year, the high priest would have to go in to the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, and offer blood of a pure animal upon the mercy seat cover of the Ark of the Covenant to offer atonement and release as a sign of God's mercy over the people. Now, this what I'm about to say is old-fashioned. But this is what I do in my mind when I begin to pray in the tap for, for uh, in this last item. I begin to plead the blood of Jesus over my family. I begin to plead the blood of Jesus over my vital organs. Literally, I thank you, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over my kidneys. I know you may sound weird, but I want healthy organs. And so, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, over my heart. I thank you that there's no blockages in my heart. Some of you guys need to pray that. I, I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over my home, over my kidneys, over my liver, over my pancreas. I plead the blood of Jesus. And you know what I do? I thank God for his mercy. Because listen, you know what his nature is. This I want to sum it all up. What covers the law is the mercy seat. So at the end of the day, the law, the law is inside the ark. The law of God is inside the ark. But you know what's covering the law? Mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment, the book of James says. So I begin to thank God for his mercy. I begin to thank God for having mercy on my family. Guys, when I'm, when I'm doing this, I get to get such enjoyable prayer. You know why? Because I go through the elements of the tabernacle in my mind, and it gives me language. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. Sometimes I stop in, in the third one. I'm like, okay, and then the Lord takes me somewhere else. Then I have to come back. But I try to be consistent in that because I tell you, my day is full when I really hit these marks. And, and all that is is a developing a prayer list. But guess what? It's powerful to know that God hears and he answers your prayer. So here's my prayer for you. We need a prayer list. You could use this if you want. And I ask the Lord to release his glory because this is where his Shekinah glory would be coming. It's the glory of the Lord which brings the fear of the Lord. We need to pray those things. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. When's the last time you asked for the fear of the Lord in your life? <laughs> no, I don't want that. I just want the blessings. I want them to make me feel good. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the, you know what the Bible says about the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to depart from iniquity. So guess what the fear of the Lord does in your life? The love of God says this, come as you are. And you're like, And you come just dirty, messed up as you are. And the Lord says, that's the love of God. But the fear of God says, uh, there's something really close to me that I'm about to enter into and I'm about to compromise in. And I'm not going there because the, lo the Lord is not only a lamb, he's a lion. And I want to honor the Lord because I have the fear of God in me. You know what the fear of God does? It keeps you away from sin. The fear of the Lord is not because he's striking you with a belt. The fear of the Lord is clean. So I want everyone to stand up, and I'm going to ask God to strengthen your prayer life. We have a whole bunch of stuff going on out there. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands. Have, did you get anything this morning? Come on. I want you right now to lift up your hands as the worship team comes and plays something. I'm going to ask God to strengthen. I want you to ask God to strengthen your personal prayer life right now. Whatever it is that you develop a list, that you, that you remain focused in your time of prayer, that God will give you the tools so you can sustain in that place of prayer. Come on, lift up your hands. I'm telling you, if you do this, your life's going to change. Your family's going to change. You're going to have language to see God move on your family and on your behalf and on your ministry and on your business. Come on, lift up your hands right now. To the Lord. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.